0: All right, everyone, welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. We are wrapping up Leviticus today. Wrapping it up. Wrapping it up. Let's let's raise a coffee glass and, and tink Plink. it. There we go. Oh, that, that sounded that, that nice. Sounded that sounded good nice. And then we'll take a little sip. Mm. Laws. Oh, delicious. Tastes like, taste like sacrifice. Tastes like sacrifice. Um, yeah, well, um, I'm excited that we've made it through the end of Leviticus. What's been your, like, your take on our walkthrough of Leviticus?
1: We were talking about this the other day, but I think one of the things that I've taken away from Leviticus, which I wasn't expecting, was an appreciation uh, for the holiness of the Lord. Oh, right. Like, it's separate from his wrath and punishment. Mm. So just, I've been able to meditate on the fact that God is unique, uniquely the giver of life and light. And because he's that, I want to approach him in the way that he desires. Mm. And like, I want to be near to him and I can meditate on his holiness without it feeling strange and i can also meditate on the consequences of his holiness without necessarily getting caught up in like well, why is god allowed to be angry mm-hmm. you know what i mean like because yeah. wrath has so much like even for me as a christian grew up a christian who believes that god when confronted with sin must respond to right. it right yeah like who's, who's okay with that even that word wrath can feel hard holiness has like helped me redeem like help me understand god's wrath and his anger towards sin yeah. more. Or I think, yeah, I think maybe uh, yeah. another way
0: to say what you're saying, because we did talk about this, is like um, you've anytime you try to meditate on God's holiness, um, his wrath ends up getting subsumed into it. And right. becomes part of that picture that your mind is painting. Yeah. Um, and what you're saying is that God's wrath is a, pro, is a product of his holiness, but his holiness can stand apart from wrath. Right. And he, he, is, he can just be holy.
1: Yeah, because I think a lot of my problem, like, my conceptual problem with God is, like, I don't know if I can love a God that's angry, like, who mm. has anger as part of his personality. And what this has helped me do is, like, no, God is fundamentally and primary, primarily holy Right, and he's only wrathful. He's only has anger when he confronts sin. Right, whenever like, it's wholly
0: appropriate for him to do so. Right, it's not like yeah. he's like
1: anger's an intrinsic part no. of his character. I mean it's like he's I, waiting to lash out yeah, at people. Yeah, you think
0: about my like. I think about my wife, and it's like if I came home and I was just completely torn up about something that happened. You know, maybe something horrible. Some, so, maybe someone mugged my mom. Right, right. It'd right, be, right. I'd be so livid. Right, I would come home. Megan, can you believe this happened? Someone mugged my mom, and she was like, "Oh man, I just let's let's love that right. guy." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, eventually." Yeah. Like, be mad with me for a second. Right, right. I would like I would want. Yes, she's and a that's very not be- loving person, but I would want her to have some wrath right there. Right, because it's and appropriate.
1: Right, it's appropriate, and be and that's not. And you're angry in that moment not because you have a you're constitutionally situated right. to be angry towards your mom. It's my default and it setting. Found a way to come out finally. <laughs> right. It's that you have such a deep holy love for your mom and yes. a desire for the preservation of her life that when someone comes and threatens that, yep. it releases itself and expresses itself as anger at the wrong done. Right. And so what I've what I've loved then about Leviticus is the ability just to meditate on God's life and light and how no bad thing can enter into it. Yeah, And my desire for God's holiness and his presence its is, is a desire for all good things apart from bad things. Like, yeah. you know, that, that's been really helpful. That's good. Exciting.
0: Yeah, well, um, I'd be curious to hear what you guys are thinking as you're listening to uh, the Leviticus podcast. If you want to let us know, if you've listened through Leviticus and you've gotten to this point, uh, and you have something that's stuck out to you maybe something you didn't know before didn't notice before didn't care about before well, I'd love to hear your story uh, you can send yep. us an email at info at com. we'd love to hear your story and share some of them online or on the air I mean so yeah, yeah write write to us info at spokengospel.com. tell us your story about your trip through Leviticus we'd love to hear about it um, but anyway let, we're going today we're gonna look at um we're gonna look at Leviticus 24 24 and, and, the and then the last couple we're gonna chapters. look at the last couple chapters 26 and 27. Okay, so this part in chapter 24, um, most commentators either end up saying no one knows why this little break from the narrative flow is here. Because um, up
1: to this point, we've been talking about feasts, yep. and then we will go on to talk about feasts. Yep. But in the middle of talking about all the feasts and the holy days, there's a law about some lamps, yep. a law about bread, and a and, story, and a story about a half Egyptian, half Israeli. Person Person
0: who curses God's name. And is stoned for it. And is stoned to death.
1: And then it ends and you go back into feasts.
0: Right. And so, yeah, it's, it's, and so either people are like, we don't know, maybe here's a suggestion. That's what some commentators do. And then some people just don't address it. And they're like, I'm not even going to try to, it's just here. (laughs) It's just here. Here it is. So, I'm gonna just default to that latter one and just be like, here it is. It doesn't really matter why. <laughs> right, um, And so, um, anyway, so the first well, thing we- you said something last oh. week that,
1: off the air that yep. we didn't mention here. Like, so we've talked about all these feast days, mm-hmm. which are particular times the people oh, come yes. to the Lord's presence. Yep. But the bread they make their, and they make their sojourn their to sojourn God's presence, to right? Their, but the bread and the lamp are supposed to always be in always. God's temple yes. as a symbol for what God always provides, even when they're not there. That's right. When they're not there, the light is always burning. The yep. light of God's holiness and his goodness and the life is always burning, and there's always food at his table. He's always providing for the needs of his people.
0: Right. And what we need to see here, so so what what twenty four what chapter 24 does is it talks about the lamp in the tabernacle, and it talks about the showbread. And um, what we're supposed to see here is that there are these 12 loaves of bread stacked on top of each other that represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And right next to it is this lampstand, and the lampstand is supposed to represent the presence of God, His light, and everything. And so it's like a menorah, like
1: yeah, like, like, like menorah. a menorah. Yes, yeah, this the, is the, the menorah. This is the menorah. Yeah. Yes. And so um, this. And did you know, like the original menorah looked like uh, the burning bush? Oh no! That's yeah, so cool. like that's the way they were originally designed was to look like the burning bush with well, the so Lord. There you go, God's presence. A... Oh, I of
0: course. Yes, the light of God's presence, fire. God's I presence. Am, I am with showing you. up. Yes, yeah, okay. I am with you. Yeah, His name is that's I am right. with you, and here's the lamp. Right. Uh, but, yeah. So, case in point, the light is supposed to be God's presence, and what would happen was the illumination of God's presence would always be shining down on the showbread, and so it's just a constant picture of the the fact that god's presence is always with his people the 12 tribes of israel in the bread right. is always always has light shining on it with the presence of god and so yeah. what you're saying is which i guess is what i said the other right. day <laughs> yeah, yeah. is is, is uh, there's this uh, through these feasts people well, come wiser words than you knew <laughs> i guess so people come to the presence of god for short periods of time a week here a day here whatever but um that's only like 18 days a year but this this in the, the whole flow is interrupted right to show hey, I just want you to know that God's presence always shines on his people. Whether you are at the tabernacle or not, God is always with you, which is a comforting word.
1: Right. And then Jesus picks up on this language, I am the light of the world Mm -hmm. and I am the bread of life. (laughs) Like he picks up on these same images and says, I am the living, embodied, incarnated presence of God Mm -hmm. that provides and is always with all of my people. Right.
0: And it's really interesting too. It's like the light of the of the, of the the menorah always shines on the bread of God's people. And what does Jesus say uh, in Matthew 28? Surely I'm with you always. Even at the end of the age. Yeah. And so it's just like the same kind of picture we get here becomes a reality in God's
1: Holy Spirit Holy presence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know. It's amazing. So that's kind of what's happening here. Which is here. why yep. tongues of fire. Like a lamp is oh, lit with fire. Yes, right. And so you have the presence of God manifesting mm. itself as fire on Mount Sinai, right in the temple as the yes. lamp, and then on the tongues of fire and the yep. people in the Day of Pentecost, right. And that fire is comes inside you, and you, the living Spirit of God, is, is always present, is with, present you, with you. Always, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so and, then, that makes sense for the blasphemy laws a little bit. Then, okay. So you have like God's present. You come and visit God's presence eighteen times a year, but God's presence is always present. In his temple and for his people, so then you have this incident in the middle of the story of where somebody is taking advantage of it, maybe taking advantage yeah. of this, the sense that God's presence is not there,
0: maybe, maybe. Or I think what else might be happening here is you have this reminder that God is always with you, you know, which is really good news for the saint, but could be really bad news for the sinner, you know, where right. it's like the whole, this whole thing in Leviticus is how do we live in God's presence, and we just heard I'm with you. All the time, all throughout the year. And there's this person who's half Israelite, half Egyptian. Maybe he's off somewhere far from the tabernacle and he curses God. Does God hear it? Does God respond?
1: Does God maintain his holiness? It shows that God's law and God's presence isn't just for his people. It's for all people. That's right. And so you have a half Egyptian man and the law of God for the Jewish people in the tabernacle extends to him as well.
0: Yeah, that's right. And so and, and the, the text makes, makes a point of, of bringing this up. It says uh, in verse 16, Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him, the sojourner as well as the native. Um, when he blasphemes the name, he shall be put to death. So he's making sure if you're native, if you're full-blood Israelite, uh, this applies to you. But if you've been brought into this nation and you're not an Israelite, the rules still apply. And um, it's why the psalmist can say, um, against you and you alone, Lord, have I sinned? Like, he knows that ultimately, whenever he does something wrong, even in that psalm, I think he's talking about what he did to Uriah and Bathsheba. He's talking about, I know I've done something wrong to people, physical people. I've done horrible things. I've murdered a man and, and and had an affair with his wife. But ultimately, the sin was against God. And so no matter where you live, no matter who you are, God's law sits over you, and you are ultimately responsible to him. He is the one to whom all people will answer. Yeah. And so that's kind of what's being communicated here, in the fact that this half-Egyptian man doesn't get a loophole out of the law.
1: Just because he's not a part a of the part people. of the, people quote-unquote, of covenant people of God. But since all people are God's people, right. he comes under—he is liable—like, God's holiness and his presence extends even to him. Right. God's presence extends throughout the entire world, yep. not just uh, the twelve tribes, the, the 12, 12 tribes bread. of Israel. And that's yep. what gets shown up in the book of Joshua. God's mm. presence takes over the whole world. And no matter what Canaanite nation or whoever else is being taken over, God's presence still holds sway over the gods of other nations as well.
0: Right, yeah. So there's a lot actually here I think that we can look at with this half-Egyptian person and what that represents as all the nations. Um, but before we leave it, I think we have to talk about what happens to him. So he curses God, um, which is breaking one of the Ten Commandments. Yeah, you know, he, he takes sh- the Lord's name in vain. He blasphemes God. Right, 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 it says right. that he's like having a fight with another Israeli guy, and yeah. and in that scuttle, somehow he somehow is- he just ends up. Say, probably something about like, oh, your God's not even real or, right, you right, know, right. like I curse your God or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. We don't have that dialogue. Right. I would love to read that. But um,
1: <laughs> it's like, what if the- darker side comes well, up it's just <laughs> like, I want to
0: know what caused this guy to have right. to be stoned is really like, but all we're given is he's blasphemed God, which right. should be enough apparently. And so, so he blasphemes God and they're like, what do we do? We've not had this happen yet. You right. know, we, we've had the Ten Commandments.
1: But nobody's broken, no this, broken one, this one yet. As as so yeah.
0: they put him in custody. And, and then they, they go and ask the Lord um, what to do. What should we do with this guy? And God tells him, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take him. And everyone who heard him blaspheme. So like not only the blasphemer, but now everyone who heard him is unclean. And they okay. are all told to come and lay their hands. Does it say unclean? It doesn't, but that, that's, the, that's the reason why. Anytime someone lays their hands on something that's about to die, they're transferring their uncleanliness. Oh. Uh, yeah, and so yeah, yeah. they've heard God been blasphemed. There's uncleanliness in, in them now. Right. And so they are told to come and lay their hands on this blasphemer and then stone him, throw stones at him until he dies. And uh, that's really intense. Yeah. And so. Um, and it says
1: here, and speak to the people of Israel, saying, Whoever curses his God shall bear his sin. Yeah. And that's significant because an animal has always been bearing sin for oh, people, right. making yes. atonement for other people. And so what what is being said here is there is no atonement, There's no atonement. for the one who blasphemes God's name, that's the right. one who takes the Lord's name in vain, the one who has a hard heart. Right. There's no which atonement is, for which is which is what person. Jesus
0: picks up on when he talks about the unpardonable sin yep. in the New Testament. That's
1: right. Is it anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit? Right. In Mark 3:28 and 29 it says, assuredly I say to you all sins will be forgiven the sons of men mm. and whatever blasphemies they utter. Right. So, so there's, there's this, always atonement for everything else. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. Yeah. Which is what we're seeing here. Right. This eternal condemnation. There's no atonement for the one who does this. And we talked. We've talked about this yeah. a couple different times with the hardness of Pharaoh's heart. Yep. Uh, we have a whole special episode on I it as that.
0: well. And then we did another episode on how do you know you we were saved. We we briefly talked we about the talked unpardonable about sin. So go listen to those too. But what is the unpardonable sin, and why is it unpardonable? Seth? It's the
1: hard hearted. Mm-hmm. It's the hard hearted consistent denial of the Lord. Okay. Of the Lord and His power, and particularly in the case of Pharaoh and the Pharisees here in Mark is the attributing of God's power to something else. Right. So in Pharaoh, he kept saying, oh no, God's power is the work of magicians. My right. magicians mm-hmm. can do this, my magicians mm-hmm. can do this. Your God isn't in charge, I'm in charge. Yes. My, like, my Like I rule here, obviously look, the people that I employ, my my underling magicians can do yeah. exactly the same thing. And the Pharisees said the only reason you can do miracles is because you are the prince, like you're the you, prince of you're, demons. You're, you have a demon in you, right. right? And the point there is that there is such a antagonism towards the Lord that no amount of evidence can unlock their presuppositions against him. Right. Like no amount of evidence, no amount of miraculous signs, no amount of working can prove to them that the Lord is good. He is for them, and he is actually the Lord. Right. That that hard-hearted, persistent rejection of God and his power is called the unpardonable sin.
0: Right. Now, mm-hmm. I I totally agree with that interpretation, right. but I'm yep. going to ask you a hard question. Okay. Okay, so just get ready. Right. Turn on your brain. Okay, here we go. My brain is it's on. on. All right. Um, it doesn't seem like this half-Egyptian person has the opportunity to have long-term um, like uh rejection of God and like the proof that he has a hard heart for a long time. It's like he curses God's name once and he dies. Right. So, like, are these just different dispensations,
1: or are these like what's well, happening? One, here? I would say that we probably don't have access to that person's to ev- story. <laughs> to this, so, like, everyone who heard him, he, right. this man doesn't exist in isolation. Yep. This event doesn't exist in isolation. So, more than likely, like the, by the by the time it comes out in the middle of a fight. How many years of blasphemy has mm. have has it been evident, right. and what was this one particular act that made it so much like made it evident that he had actually gone beyond right?
0: And I wonder, I mean, and it's it's of no it, it's of serious consequence right. that he is half Egyptian, right? He's carrying over Pharaoh's hard heart, right? Like he is bearing the image of Pharaoh, and therefore bears his consequences, yeah. And so exactly right. I think that I mean that's that's a pretty good argument,
1: yeah, and. It, think about this we don't actually know when pharaoh's like we we're told that pharaoh hardens his own heart right and we're also told god hardens, god hardens his, his heart. heart yeah and we but we, we actually don't know when it becomes unpardonable right yeah and, and i don't think that's the point point. and we don't know in the case right. of the pharisees when it becomes unpardonable and nope. we don't know here when it becomes unpardonable and the, yep. so the point here isn't
0: how many times do you have to do this before it becomes
1: unpardonable it's <laughs> do you have a heart posture that right. wants to trust the lord or no matter how much you see God working, mm. particularly in Israel, clouds and all this stuff is happening. No matter, no, like, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like no matter how many times you <laughs> see God working, no matter how God is merciful towards you, no matter how much atonement He's provided, mm. you're always willing to say, "No, no, no, that's not God. Right. That's that's just nature following its course. No, 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 that's not God. That's just the miracle of right. evolutionary or, science. Or, that's, right? that's not
0: God in the tabernacle. That's a goat demon." Right. I mean, who it knows? He could have said anything. I mean, imagine all this. Like, God has just filled the tabernacle. He's lit the altar on fire. Uh, Nadab and Abihu have been killed. Like, he's seen God on Mount Sinai. I mean, he's seen miracle after miracle after miracle, and he's probably done something like, "Oh, this is actually my. This is this is our Egyptian god. Right. This isn't Yahweh. This right. is this is my Egyptian god." And he's yeah. and like they're like, uh. No, that would you're breaking sense. multiple commandments at this yeah. point. Yeah.
1: And that would follow the pattern of Pharaoh and exactly. the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And the point here is, do you believe the primary cause of these things is something that you can attribute and you would prefer to worship right. or you would prefer to believe in mm. or the God who rules over it all?
0: Right. Okay. And so now give me the caveat you always give to people who say, do I have a hard heart? Have I committed the unpardonable sin?
1: Right. If you're wondering that as you're listening... You have not. (laughs) If you're asking yourself the question, do I have a hard heart? You're proving you do not have a hard heart because a person with a hardened heart doesn't care. Nope. They never ask that question. They never ask that question because they're so closed off to the Lord and his power. They're so, um, they never doubt themselves and their disbelief. Right. So if you are in a, if you're listening right now and you're doubting your belief or your disbelief or the amount of your belief, you do not have a That's hard right. heart. But if you're listening to this and you do not doubt your doubts, if you do not doubt your disbelief, you are in danger of mm-hmm. having the hard heart of the man right here. Right. Well, thank you, Seth.
0: That's really helpful. <laughs> caveat well. well included. Caveat <laughs> included. Okay. Um, I think what we have to see here too is, um, I mean, this is an amazing picture of the gospel. Um, oh, Oh, before I get there, I had this note written down. So you know, we've talked about the the law of Hammurabi. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they have death death penalties in there too for for things. But theirs are included. Their the de- death penalty in theirs also includes um, like not just capital offenses. You know, like right. if you kill somebody else, you have to be killed. Like it it also includes things like um, uh, property and uh, stealing and Brrr, things like that. Right. Like you could die for anything, <laughs> and God limits the death penalty to just the most um, like harmful Like
1: what acts. attacks the dignity of the Lord what's, and attacks the dignity of life. Of life, right. Yeah.
0: And so I just think that's interesting. Okay, anyway, so we, I, I just think this is interesting here with looking at the gospel because um, Jesus gets, um, what, what, what am I trying to say? Jesus gets accused of blasphemy multiple yeah. times in the right. New Testament. That's what the Pharisees, con- like that's his, his condemning sentence was blasphemy. Yeah. was why, why 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 is he here, Pilate would ask. And he's like, oh, he blasphemed against our God. Right. You know, it's like, blasphemy, blasphemy. And they cover their ears and they spit at him and they tear, take, their, tear clothes. their clothes.
1: Which, by the way, did you notice when we were reading this, that's against the law for the high priest to tear his clothes? Oh, you're right. And so when the high priest tears his clothes, mm. like he's proving that he is the heart of a lawbreaker. Oh, interesting. Because he's not even like... I've never seen that before. Anyway.
0: that's cool. And so what's interesting is what they're supposed to do whenever they hear a blasphemer, right, is they're supposed to lay their hands on him and kill him right instead they completely disobey and they pass him off to a roman court and have rome do their dirty work
1: well i'd give the pharisees a pass in on that one really yeah because they they couldn't they that that right was taken away from them by the roman government no he says he, he like even even the pilot himself says
0: i don't want to deal with this you take him and judge him yourself he even no. gives them back the right. Because multiple he times re- they
1: say, but the Pharisees keep saying like, our laws do not allow us to execute a man. What? Right?
0: I think they say maybe on Passover. I think it's during uh, pa- I think it's because it's during Passover and they yeah, don't, yeah. don't want to wait because they like, you know, re- rebellion and riots and everything like that. And so I think it's, they just want to get it done. And so they pass the buck. Interesting. Yeah. And so anyway, regardless, what we need to see here is that Jesus is the one that you know, even our worst sins, you know, yeah, even our worst sins, um, <laughs> he we are able to come to him and lay our hands on him, and he dies for us, and we are atoned by just by his death, right? You know, he we don't bear our sin like like this person did. He bore his sin for blaspheming God. Instead, Jesus bore our sins. I mean that is this language here, right? He shall he shall surely be put to death. Where's that? Oh, there it is. In verse fifteen, you read it. Whoever curses God shall bear his sins. That is the language used right. for what Jesus does for us in the New Testament. That he, right. he bore our sins. Or like or like Isaiah picks right. up on this in the suffering servant song. Yeah. Right? That he surely he bore
1: our sins. Right. And it's not that he had sin. No. But that when we place our hands upon him, that's right. When we trust in Jesus, yep. when we trust that God is appointed the sacrifice of his son for our atonement and making clean and being brought into his presence Mm -hmm. and being one with his holiness. When we trust that our sins are actually transferred onto him and he is stoned instead of us.
0: Right. And that's what's happening here. Okay. now some people might hear this and go, that's a really intense punishment. Like, uh, not only we've kind of talked about this person, but why would Jesus have to die? You know, like why, why? And, And, and we kind of get that answer here in this eye for an eye stuff. So this is a very, Right. Famous language, even if you're not yeah, so a Christian, from, you've probably so we, heard this t- this language before. So
1: just to, so we're, we go from blasphemy uh-huh. to this whole other section about what it means to have proportionate justice. That's right. And it says an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, fracture for a fracture, bone for bone. Right. But it expands it not just to blasphemy, but also to killing another human, mm-hmm. to injuring another human and right. taking the life of an animal. Right. Right.
0: And so if you if you kill another human, you are supposed to be killed. I mean that goes back to Genesis nine with right. the Noahic covenant. Uh, and then if you kill someone's animal, you need to pay for that animal a exactly proportionate amount and probably a twenty percent extra. Right. Uh, if you injure someone, you need to be you need to like be uh, aflack for them. <laughs> right and pay, yeah, yeah, yeah. and pay and pay it's the wages they could have earned. We
1: say here, like, if you injure somebody, the punishment is not that you are injured too. Right,
0: they don't come and break your arm.
1: Right, because that's what sometimes arm. it sounds like that right. eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Right. Like if you take, knock out somebody else's tooth, your tooth is going to get knocked out. No, no, you pay for the price of, to fix their teeth. Which right, probably didn't exist in Israel <laughs> at <of> the time. <laughs> but like, yeah. like, but that's that's yeah. what's saying me. Yes, proportionality. Absolutely. And so what what we need to
0: see in Jesus' death then. Is uh, if we're like, man, that him dying on the cross is really violent and really brutal, and it seems a little overkill for me. And what we need to see is, no, this is an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And when this we, is when the you, proportionate response. This is the to proportionate repon- response to our sin. When you look at the cross of Jesus, what you need to see is not, man, that just seems like overkill. What you need to see is that's what I deserved. Eye for eye, that should have been me. And if it if it blows your mind and disgusts you and makes you turn away in revulsion, good. Like. Right. But you need to know that that's your sin. That should have been you on the cross. That should have been you bearing your sin. And instead, Jesus did. And, like, rejoice in that. And that's that's the beauty of the gospel is that we don't bear our sin. We don't get the eye-for-eye, tooth-for-tooth punishment we deserve. Not because right. God just decided not to be just anymore, but right. because he was perfectly just by taking the punishment himself. And
1: I think the, that revulsion that we feel like, mm. oh, it's so barbaric. Right. Like that, I think that is a seed of the holy wrath that God has towards sin. So, mm. like, I think a lot of non-believers will look at the crucifixion of Jesus and say that is barbaric, that is crazy, and they'll say it pejoratively. They'll say yes. it as a way like, that's why I can't believe in that. Right. But actually, the thing that's a seed that the Lord has planted in non-believing hearts to say, actually, this is what sin deserves. Mm. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? You keep so, going. Yeah. Okay. So what I think what, what's happening there is that we have a sense. Of what life, light, and purity should be like. Oh, yes. Right? Right, yes. And so when we see the opposite of that, mm-hmm. it, it hurts re- us. It yeah, repulses us. us. Yeah. And what we want to do is say, in ourselves, we have light, life, and purity. Mm-hmm. We actually have holiness in and of ourselves, and we don't want to be in contact with, be near, or have anything to do with something that seems so disgusting with
0: blood, and death, and, and so loss of life.
1: But when we assume that we have holiness in ourselves Mm -hmm. and look to Jesus and feel disgusted by it, Mm -hmm. we prove the Bible's narrative (laughs) that we are not one with the Lord, Mm. that we have stolen God's holiness from him and assume we have it for ourselves.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah, we say that that is ugly and I am beautiful. Right. right? Instead of saying like what Jesus is doing, he's trying to turn the inside out to show you the truth. Right. He's trying to say like, Look, inside of you there is blood and death and crucifixion. Right. And I'm gonna put it on display so you can see what should what you can't see because you're blind to your right. own what you deserve and what's actually inside of you. So here it is, fully displayed on the cross in all its grotesquery. Right. Right. So look inside and realize that's what's in you. Right. But really what's what I should have done is this shouldn't have been a cross, it should have been a throne. It right. shouldn't have been, a, you know, a dark Friday. It should have been this bright right. Sunday. And like, but you think that's inside of you, but
1: it's right. not. If you want that light and life and holding, if you want to mm-hmm. preserve that sense of purity that you think you have. In and of yourself. In and of yourself, the way to get it is not by despising the brutality of the cross, Mm -hmm. but by recognizing that the brutality of the cross is actually what's already inside of you. If you want to be holy, if you want to be pure, if you want to be right with the world and right relationship to it, you need to recognize that it is available, Mm. but only through the means that God has ordained. And that hardness of heart that we've been talking about is the consistent denial that the Lord has provided a sacrifice in order for you to be made holy.
0: Okay, so we've finished this little, what um, feels like an excursus, like a quick little interruption, because we went from feasts, and then we took a break, and now we're, then we went back to feasts, and that's yeah. what we ended on last time with the year of Jubilee. So this is coming after all the feasts have been prescribed, after the year of Jubilee has been, has, has been uh, prescribed, and then now we get to um, the blessings and curses, which come customarily at the end of law code.
1: Right, so when ancient nations yep. made a covenant with one another made a deal to be like to reign in the same space. A stronger king would come to a weaker king and said, I will provide you protection and all this, provided mm-hmm. that you do this, 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 and this and if you break it
0: Yeah, here's the here's the consequences. Here's the
1: consequences. But if you don't, here's what you can expect from me. That's right. So at the end of this covenant, yep. God is saying, If you obey the law, here's what you can expect from me. Yep. All these great things, this is what our this will this is the, the Garden of Eden version of what yes. what what our relationship could look like. Yep. The most optimistic right. version. But if you break my trust,
0: mm-hmm. here's what will happen. Right. And one thing, since we're talking about other law codes at this time and their blessings and curses, the main difference, I did not know this until like this week, the main difference between them is that in the blessing and curses of all these other law codes, I- including Hammurabi and a bunch yeah. of others, when they curse the people and they say, if you break this covenant, you'll be cursed, um, or when they say, if you obey, you'll be blessed, they don't make vows from themselves to the people saying, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. They say, then I will pray to the gods that they might punish you, or I will pray to the gods that they might bless you. And so it's this third priestly party going to these false gods and saying, bless them or curse them. The main difference here is this is God himself talking, and he's not saying this might happen or I'll pray to someone else. God is saying, I myself will do these things. That's cool. That is very cool. That's very different. And so like if you were used to these kinds of law codes, you'd be like, wait, what? The gods are doing it themselves? Like this is the real deal. Fascinating. Yeah, it's very fascinating. I think it's cool. So uh, right off the bat, we get the blessings. And it's, if you walk, this is verse three of chapter 26. If you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains and their seasons and your lands will increase and the trees of your field will bear its fruit. You'll have all these grapes in your grape harvest. You'll live in land securely. I'll give you peace to lie down. No one will will come and take over your borders. Even the beasts, the harmful beasts in your land won't hurt you. A sword won't come into your land. And then there is the ultimate coup de grace Coup de grace, which I <laughs> actually don't know what that means. But the big mamma jamma, the right. head honcho, the the climax of right. the right, thing. Right, right, Here right, it right. is. You ready for this? Uh, verse verse 11. Oh, oh. I'll get there. Yeah, I will make my dwelling among you and my soul shall not abhor you and I will walk among you and will be your God and you will be my people. And where what is this picture? The animals aren't hurting you whenever you're walking around, you know, the land is perfect. You're eating fruit. Um, and then and God is walking around. It's Eden. This is Eden. Right. He's saying, if you obey my commands, I'm gonna bring you back to the Garden of Eden. Right. Amazing. Right. This is what the whole Torah so far has been trying to get back to. And it's like, God, God's temple presence was on the mountain just like eden was right and now it's come down to his people and you have this tent that has all this garden imagery in it and then he's saying now if we just can cohabitate together if we can right. live in harmony together we're going to make eden again
1: yeah it's going to be beautiful my presence will spread from just the temple That's to right. the
0: whole land uh-huh. and then my glory will cover the whole earth and we'll make eden together and the whole world will be blessed abraham's covenant will finally come true all nations of the world will be blessed through you So let's partner in this. Let's take back the world and push back evil and all of sin's effects because this is all reversing the curse. Right. This isn't just like you know, things will go well for you. Right. This is like, remember all those curses that were made in Genesis 3 when the, the the land's gonna be hard to toil and all these things are gonna be, or bad things are gonna happen? We're gonna turn all those back and we're and gonna reverse the, 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 the curse's effects.
1: This isn't a third-party hope You're based right. on the capricious demands of the gods. It's like, yeah. the, I don't know what the gods want, but I know that if I do some sort of thing, they'll respond favorably. Yeah. So let's, I'll, I'll pray that these things happen. No, God himself is saying, I've told you exactly what I want. Yes. And if you obey these things, the perfect world is coming. Yeah. I myself will do it. And, and I'm going to come down and walk, a, uh,
0: walk around with you to make sure it happens. Yes. Like the omnipotent God is going to come and do something that he's
1: promised to do. So good news. That's really good news. <laughs> yeah. It's so cool. Um, but. But. Uh, if you yeah. will not listen to me and not do all of these commandments, uh, I just underline the things that the Lord said he would do. Oh, okay. I will visit you with panic. I will set my face against you. I will break your pride of its power. I will continue striking you sevenfold for your sins. I will strike you uh, sevenfold for your sins. He Says that twice, and I will bring a sword upon you. I will send pestilence when I break your supply of bread. Ten women shall break your bread in a single oven and shall dole out your bread again by weights. Like everyone will be rationed. There will right. be an, there won't be enough.
0: Not every yeah. Everyone every won't. family won't have an oven. Twelve women are going to have to use one oven and then all the bread they make is going to have to be rationed out based on weight.
1: And I will walk contrary to you in fury.
0: So that's the exact opposite of, of the Garden of Eden, right? Yes. I will walk with you if if you obey. I will walk
1: contrary to you. I will walk against you. Oh, like, <laughs> can you imagine like, okay, just like think about like a war scenario. Mm. I will walk with you as you take over increasingly increase the Garden of Eden over the world Yep. versus I will... I will walk against you. Like the Lord himself yep. is on the opposite end of the battle from you. Right. Instead of him leading the charge and taking, taking right.
0: you out in the front lines and you're behind him going like, we can't lose. Right. You see him coming toward you and you're like, we can't win. We can't win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the exact opposite. Um, and so, yeah, um, what we see here over and over again, actually, is this promise of sevenfold revisitation for sins. That God will punish us sevenfold for our sins. Or not for our sins, for Israel's sins. Right. Um, and uh, and basically what he says is, you're going to be kicked out of the land um, because you have a hard heart and you won't obey me. Uh, you're going to be kind of like this half-Egyptian and we should guy.
1: Cl- we should clarify here. The land, we haven't got to we yet. Haven't, we're not there yet. But We this don't get written, there until Joshua. Right. But the land is the land of Canaan that they were the, promised. Yep, that's right. And so presumably this is written while they're on their way to Canaan. Nope, before they've left. Or before they've left. Well, yeah. the law itself, yes. Yeah. But oh, the, when it was written The down. book. Sure. The, the book of Leviticus right. was written on their way to to the promised land. And yeah. this was to help them remember, like, the Lord will provide us this land, or he could walk against us once we get to the land. Right. Right.
0: Yes. And so, um, they're, but basically, as you read through this, you kind of pick up on the fact that it kind of feels inevitable, these curses. And by the time we get to the end of the Torah in Deuteronomy, we're told they're inevitable. Yeah. Like we, you will not uphold the law because God has not given you a soft heart. So you will be kicked out of the land and you will be exiled. That's, and ex- that's, that's, that's Deuteronomy. That's Deuteronomy. Right. Right. But like this this is definitely foreshadowing that. Right. And so. Um,
1: and I mean, even just the curses are so much longer than the blessings. So much longer. The blessings are, gr- are very, con- like they're concrete, but they're also kind of vague. Right. And they're, they're also they're, they're packed with meaning. They're, they're rich with meaning. But the detailed consequence—they're uh-huh. they're so detailed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's like <laughs> it's a little suspicious that you said I will leave the land and go dwell in another land for this many years, right. and then come back to this land. That feels strangely it's like, specific. It's like hey Seth,
0: uh, I've got a couple ideas for dinner. You want to hear what, what, what we could sure. have? We could have fish. Or we could have a mustard <laughs> seed risotto topped with a dill, a dillweed salmon and cream sauce with a side. It's like sorry, sorry. it's like. Have you already made dinner? <laughs> <Right>. yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, you've yeah, already yeah. made dinner and you've decided what we're having. And so, um, I think, hey, yeah. do you have a truck? Oh, uh, um, yes. <laughs> you, you, oh, that's no. the question. Oh, like, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's the question. It's like
1: that. the the fact that you've asked the question oh, implies implies the answer yeah. that you're going to ask to borrow their truck. Yeah, right? <laughs> hey, you have a
0: truck, don't you? Yes. Can I borrow it? Yeah. Why are you bringing it up? Cool. Like, because how else would that conversation go? You
1: got a truck? Yeah. Cool. It's <laughs> <Is> that. <laughs> <And how> it <laughs> <is>? <laughs> the point <laughs> of this strange segue is that the detail right. of the. Curses for disobedience should tell you that this is probably going to happen. Yeah. And in fact, it will happen.
0: And then, and, and the other thing that, that helps us know that this is going to happen is God details the escape plan. Like, how will you get back from exile once you're kicked out of the land? How are you going to get back? It's like, why is he giving them a re entry strategy if they're not ever going to get kicked out anyway? So, verse 40, but if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers in their treachery that they have committed against me and also in walking contrary to me, um, then I will remember their covenant that I made with Jacob and Abraham and Isaac. Um, and I'll bring you back into the land. Right. And yeah. so it's like, there's a reentry strategy here, repent, repent. <laughs> if you say sorry, if you say sorry, and not only for your sins, but for the sins of all of Israel and your forefathers, Right. Big old sorry. Right. Yep. I
1: will return. Yeah. So Jeremiah picks up on Jeremiah this. Jeremiah picks up on this. And he'll say that this is, he's writing as Israel is exiled. Yes. So after all this comes true, yep. after Israel breaks all the laws of Leviticus.
0: God is walking against his people.
1: Right. He has exiled them to Babylon. Yep. And Jeremiah is writing and saying, this is going to last for 70 weeks or yep. 70 years. Yep. 70, yeah, 70 years. 70 years. Not 70 weeks, 70 yeah, years. Yeah, 70 years. And he says, but if you repent... I will restore your land.
0: Right, and so immediately when we hear seventy, we need to be thinking of a couple things. One, seven, seven. <laughs> right. I will, I will, I will avenge sevenfold for yeah. your sins. Right. So it's not just a seven-year rest, right, or a one-year rest. Seventy right. sevenfold right. Yeah. is what's happening here. This is what what Jeremiah is doing here is not necessarily saying seventy calendar years. Right. He's saying that God is. This is the sevenfold punishment that Leviticus was talking about.
1: Right. This is the. The proportionate punishment right. your sin deserves. This is the eye-for-an-eye eye punishment. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And it is the antithesis of all the feasts that we talked about last week. Right. That they were supposed to let the land rest, and they were supposed to observe the year of Jubilee, and all these seven 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 seven, 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 it's everywhere. Um, but they didn't. And so God ends up kicking them out um, so that the land can rest. And w- that's what verse 43 says. But the land shall be abandoned by them, and finally then it will enjoy its Sabbaths whenever it lies desolate without
1: you. So what that means is Israel. part of the the laws that Israel broke was they didn't actually obey the law of Jubilee, the Sabbath laws, the Sabbath year laws. They didn't do the feasts. They didn't take breaks. They They didn't didn't take (laughs) breaks. (laughs) They 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 didn't, didn't rest in the Lord. They didn't rest in the Lord. And because of that, the Lord says, okay, if you won't rest from the Lord... I will send you away so the Mm -hmm. land can actually rest. Right. And it will rejuvenate while you're gone. While you're gone. And then once you repent, you can return to the rejuvenated Eden land. Right. Right. And so
0: as we continue to trace this story throughout the rest of the Bible, we we have it here promised in Leviticus. Jeremiah says it's happening. Right. And then Daniel is in exile in Babylon. And he
1: picks up the book of Jeremiah. And he starts reading it. And he starts reading it. And as he's reading it, he realizes, oh, I've been in Babylon for 70 years. Uh Uh-huh. And so he starts repenting, for this, not just yeah. for himself, yep. but for the sins of all of Israel's fathers. And then an angel shows up yep. at the end of his fasting and his prayer. And he says the proportionate response to Israel's sin is not 70 years. Yep, it's but 70, 70 times seven, 7.
0: 490 years, 490 which years. is adding a zero to the year of Jubilee. Right. 49 years, add a zero to it. It's 490. 490. So he's years. saying, like, this is the proportionate response to you not keeping the year of Jubilee for all these decades, right? For all these centuries it's is for- now 490 years of punishment. And again, he's not saying, get your calendar out, flip ahead
1: 490 right. years and mark it. It's like the proportion, like, <laughs> right. the, the, what Jeremiah said was the proportionate response to our sin is 70 fold. And right. 70 is this number of proportionality, like complete, complete, perfect proportionality. proportionality. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, D- uh, Daniel thinks the complete perfect proportionality has happened so he's praying that it would happen right. and the angel says it hasn't happened yet your sin done. was so great yep. that there's a time coming when perfect justice will be done right. but it's not yet and we know and and, and like people like Jeremiah and Daniel uh,
0: the people in the intertestinal period the Maccabeans like they, could, they could have they, they, they had hope they could have hope right. because of this verse listen to verse 44 in Leviticus 26 yet for all of that when they are in the land of their enemies so daniel in babylon read right. leviticus man and i bet he was i will not spurn them neither will i abhor them so as to destroy them utterly and break my covenant with them for i am the lord their god but i will for their sake remember the covenant of their forefathers right i'm the lord and so he's saying like i'm yes it's going to seem like a long time it's going to seem like a huge punishment but i will not break my covenant I will not reject you forever. I will come back and bring you to myself. The, the eye for an eye punishment will come to an end. And when does it come to an end? In Jesus. In Jesus. The 490 years, I mean, it's, it's actually not far off even mathematically from the time of Daniel right. to the time of Jesus, which is crazy Which cool. is crazy.
1: <laughs> I don't think that's what it's meant to be. I, I don't but either. But it, it is funny. just a little additional cool thing yeah.
0: that this 490 years is almost up or it's just ended or whatever. Right. The math doesn't matter. What right. matters is that there is a um, a proportionate punishment for sin, right? And and it is unpayable. Like right. Daniel's like, is it over yet? No. Is Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Right.
1: When will we be there? Whenever the punishment is finally dealt with fully. You will not be forgiven until right. the punishment is completed. Yes. And what's funny is I thought, that, I don't know how true this is, but it is funny that the only other time 70 times 7 is mentioned. Oh, right. Is by Jesus. Is by Jesus. When Peter is talking about like, man, you keep talking about forgiving people. Like how many times am I supposed to forgive my fr- brother? Seven times? Like perfectly? Perfectly? Like, it, like, is that what it takes? Seven times to do it perfectly? And then Jesus says, no. What it takes to forgive somebody is to forgive them 70 times, seven times.
0: Right. And what Jesus is saying there is he's, he's pointing to his forgiveness yeah. that he will there achieve there on the cross. There is a complete
1: forgiveness for the people of Israel in the complete proportionate punishment of himself.
0: That's right. So when will the punishment of Israel end? When will they be allowed back into the land? And not only them, but what about us half Egyptians, right? What what about the people outside of the covenant of Israel? When will we be brought in? Israel was supposed to be the hope for the nations. They were supposed to bring God's presence. They like, what what happened to Eden? What happened to the blessings in the beginning of Leviticus 26? Like, I wanna walk with God. I don't want him to walk against me forever. I don't want just the curses, I want the blessing. When will all of this get reversed? And not only will I escape the 490 curse, When will I get the perfect blessing? The 490. The 490 blessings, the the perfect blessings. And it's in Jesus. Jesus fully takes the eye-for-eye punishment that we deserve, bringing an end to this promised curse in Leviticus 26. And then he turns around and gives us all the blessings in the first part of Leviticus 26. He makes us his new Eden ambassadors. We go around now with his Holy Spirit in us like the tabernacle. Extending the boundaries. Extending the boundaries of Eden to the world. We are ministers of reconciliation now, right. covering the world with presence of God. And eventually Jesus will come back and do it perfectly himself. Right. And he'll make the whole world his Eden.
1: He'll actually, what we only see in part, mm-hmm. if, like we see little glimpses of this part of Leviticus, the Levitical blessings yep. right here, but one day it'll be perfect. Yeah.
0: You can read, like I would I would encourage all of you to pick up your Bibles and read Leviticus 26, 1 through 13. And then and, Revelation 22. And yeah, and then read Revelation 21 and 22 and go, this is coming. Like, this blessing is actually coming. God's gonna walk with us. I'm gonna get to chill out with some lions and they're not gonna attack me. <laughs> like, Eden is coming. And yeah. we get to be a part of making it now as well. We right. get to live in Eden now, but ultimately, perfectly in the future.
1: So we end with kind of a strange little transition. Yeah. After hearing, like, do this and you, here's what will happen. Don't do this and here's what will happen. That kind of feels like an ending of sorts. Definitely. Right. And even even you were saying, these are the statutes and rules and the laws the Lord has made between himself and the people of Israel through Moses on Mount Sinai,
0: the end. Right. That's how verse chapter 26 ends. Right. It so, feels like the end. It sounds
1: very final. <laughs> But then we say hear a whole nother list of laws about vows. Right. So what's a vow? Well, it's something we're very familiar with today, Seth.
0: No. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no, it is not. I mean, it actually, we might be more familiar th- than we think. Um, so a vow is something that people make to God where they, they are asking a request of him, basically. It, it could be two things. One is it's if they're making... Asking
1: a request. Asking a request. Asking the, a request
0: making thing. a request of God <laughs> um, and vowing to give him something in return. So So like, like,
1: Lord, please give me a child because if you do, I will do this, this, and this, and this. Right. And we have a
0: biblical example of that one. Yeah, Hannah. Hannah is barren. That's right. And so she
1: prays to the Lord that if you give me a child, I will dedicate him to the temple and he'll work in the temple for the rest of his life. That's right.
0: Yeah, and we even have even more more modern day examples of this. Uh, I mean, modern-ish compared to the Old Testament, right? But Martin Luther, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah he yeah. was stuck in a crazy lightning storm. Martin like the King? Martin? <laughs> no, the reformer. <laughs> oh, the, refo- the, the reformer. The reformer. Okay. The one like 500 years ago. Okay, okay. That so Martin Luther. That like he, that that modern. <laughs> that one. That modern. Super modern. Uh, I'm a very mo- I'm very mo- metropolitan. Uh, I make references to modern people like Martin Luther. Um, cool. Anyway, 500 years ago, Martin Luther, the great reformer, he was uh, in this in this lightning storm. And, uh, and he wasn't really a devout Christian at this point or anything. And uh, he has this famous prayer that has been passed down. And it's, Saint Anne, deliver me. I will become a monk. <laughs> and so he makes this barter with God or Saint Anne at that right. point. He's very Catholic right now. He hasn't quite reformed yet. And um, he prays. He's like, if you save me from this lightning storm, I'll become a monk. I'll devote myself to the monastery. Okay. And so that's a vow right right and so he ends up being saved he doesn't die and he becomes a monk. becomes a monk and okay. then the course of the, the course of church history
1: gets changed man but, i don't know if i've ever met necessarily i i see people in movies right doing this oh, i've definitely done it like, like i think i was watching 30 rock and like tracy morgan does this like, at one point he's like, he's like praying like oh Lord, like, oh yeah <laughs> if you save me from this
0: i swear every sunday for the rest of my life i'll go to and then, like he's freed from what he was praying for, right? And he's like, Pizza Hut, yeah, <laughs> Pizza hut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like I,
1: I see, it like, kind of like taking jokingly in movies, like, yes. Lord, if you do this, I'll, I'll always brush my teeth, you right. know? Like, oh, it's
0: like, they, it's like what they say. There's no atheists in foxholes.
1: Oh yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. God, if
0: you bring me out of this, I'll, I'll, I'll become a Christian. Right, right. Like, there's no right. atheists in foxholes. Everyone, everyone, like has. Made, I remember as, a, as like an adolescent, I remember doing some of these things, like. Um, like I remember even like when my parents got divorced, like I remember yeah. praying, like, God, if you bring my parents back together, all X, Y, Z, right. You know, right, right, right. and you know, it didn't happen. Yeah. So I didn't have to uphold my end of the deal. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, we, we're, we somewhat familiar with this side yeah. of vows. The other side of vows can be just a re- an act of religious piety devotion okay. where you're saying, um, God, I love you so much that I just want to give you this thing. Right. Like, um, here, take my ex. Take right? my life. Take take my, my goat. Take right. my child. Whatever. I did a version of that
1: growing up. Oh, you did? I did. What did you vow to the Lord? I vowed to the Lord that every time I burped or farted, <laughs> I would say, excuse me. <laughs> you built your own Levitical system for your gastrointestinal system? I did. And it was actually impossible to uphold because like what counts as a burp? Does a hiccup count as a burp? No, of course not. So like I had all these, <laughs> I had a lot of anxiety built up around my bodily functions for about three years oh until I realized goodness. I can never do this perfectly. No. And I so need I, Jesus. I need Jesus. I literally like went outside and asked for forgiveness. Like, I can't keep the command. Please forgive me. That and then I tried so, to stop. That is hilarious. So there
0: you go. That's really funny. <laughs> I forget how legalistic you were as a child. Yeah, and neurotic, like
1: super neurotic.
0: Yeah, I've heard some stories. Yeah. Okay, anyway, before we get into more of those stories. um, So yes, so people would make vows to the Lord, and we basically have three categories described. There are um, making a vow of the Lord of a person, of an animal, and of property. Okay. So if you were to make a vow of a person, what this would look like is um, you you would say like, Basically, I want to be a slave to God in the tabernacle. I wish I could work in the tabernacle and be a slave to God. The they're, problem with that is only Levites could do that. So there's right. 11 tribes that yep. can
1: never do that thing.
0: Right. That they either either they loved God so much that they wish they could be in his full-time service, or the thing that they're asking for is so grand and huge that it would require a life-for-life kind of thing where they're right. like, I will be your slave if, you, if this happens. Right.
1: I could imagine like... Like, like if your wife is barren. Right. Or like... Or you, deathly ill. Right. It's like, Lord, please, if you save her... I will, I will dedicate
0: life. myself to the tabernacle. Right. And so what you would do there, since you couldn't actually go in and become an indentured slave in the tabernacle because only Levites were allowed in, right. um, what you would do is you would basically see what's the going rate for a person of my age and gender. So right. if I'm a strong 20-year-old male who can lift heavy things, right. I'm worth 50 shekels. Right. Right. And you would go and you would pay 50 shekels to the the the, the tabernacle. Right. And that would be the same thing-ish <laughs> of you actually going and doing the work because you're, right. instead you're paying what your work is worth instead of actually the work itself. Yeah.
1: And normally, that would I guess that would be paid on the back end of God doing what you've asked.
0: I don't know. I, we actually—that's not told here. It's so like, i do don't—I don't know. I mean, I guess the—the the, the situation with um, Samuel and and Hannah right. is impossible to to say right. because she couldn't have dedicated her son to the to the tabernacle before he was before born. He was right, born. Right. So,
1: so that's a, that's a really safe vow. It's a safe <laughs>
0: vow. Hey, if you do it, I give it to him. I give you to him. Give him to you. There we go. Uh, so I don't know. Um, but, uh, so that's, that, that's one thing that happens is you can dedicate yourself or a child yeah. to the Lord and you like, Hannah could have just paid the price right. for Samuel, right? Which she, was
1: five, five shekels. Five shekels. She goes,
0: yeah. here's five shekels. My, my, my side of the deal is done. Um, there we go, and and five shekels is no small amount. Um, they say that a shekel was about the working wage of a whole months of work. Okay, so it's f- almost half a year of work. With, with right, that. but for to redeem or like uh, if you were to if you were a male like a 20, 30 year old male, it'd be four and a half years of wages. Right, so like these are hardcore vows. Yeah, so
1: the like the medium income in the states is forty thousand dollars. Yep. So if you wanna to dedicate your son, it's 20000 <laughs> If you want to right. dedicate yourself, you're talking almost $200,000. Right. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's a huge amount of money. And um,
0: commentators talk about the fact that the reason why it's so high right. is to prevent people from doing It's it is saying like,
1: don't uh, make a yeah. rash
0: vow. And even Ecclesiastes will talk about, don't make rash vows. Just do what you say you'll do.
1: Would they have to be held accountable? Like, like was it made publicly, and there was like priests who would hold them accountable to doing that particular thing?
0: I think it could be either. You could do it publicly, and that was probably seen as more legit, maybe. But well, Jesus talks about it because there's these Mm -hmm. priests, these
1: Pharisees who would make vows only to be seen as impressive.
0: Right. And right. so, but you could also make them privately. We see um Jacob doing this before he meets his brother Esau in Genesis. Right, he's alone at the rock. That's right. right. And and alone. he's like he's like Esau's coming. Uh God, if you deliver me from Esau, I will tithe all of the stuff that I got from Laban.
1: Jonah does it in the belly of the and fish. belly of the
0: fish, if you save me blah blah blah. And so we see these vows taking place privately too. And right. yeah, and so
1: And that makes sense cuz the Lord hears. He hears. He's <laughs> everywhere. That's
0: right. Which is why I think um we see Jesus picking up on a lot of this. He's like, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Like if you, you know, if you're going to pray something, you you don't need to have to attach any worth to it, you know? And then you also, you know, who are you praying to? Not a God that you have to barter with. Right. Right. If you ask God in faith, he's a good father and he'll give it to you. You don't have to promise him things. So it's like, I think this is actually like vows aren't commanded in Leviticus. Right, they're right, protected they're against. So I think uh, these are a cultural thing that's taking place that people are just used to bartering with the gods. Right, and he's saying like, look, that's not what needs to happen here. So I'm just going to make it so exorbitantly rich right. that
1: you're you'll think twice before doing it. Hmm. And like, but it doesn't seem like he's condemning it either. No, I like, don't think so. There is, I mean, Samuel. Yes, like Hannah cannot have a child. Right, so she promises that if the Lord gives her a child. She de- he dedicates him. And it, even the New Testament picks up on that story. Oh, right. Because because when Samuel's dedicated, it says he grew in wisdom and stature among men. Yeah, and, and before the Lord. And before the Lord. Right. And then Jesus is dedicated at the temple. Mm-hmm. And the same language is used. He grew in wisdom and maturity before men and, and before, before the Lord. The Lord. So, yeah. like, it's a good thing to right. make a vow.
0: Yep to dedicate somebody to, to the dedicate temp. someone yeah to the temple yeah and, and yeah. we, we kind of do that today don't we
1: we, we, baby, like, we baby baby dedication. yeah yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> although i don't know if we like consider like yeah th-
0: that that'll be uh that'll be $20,000 please
1: <laughs> the church would be <laughs> thriving <laughs> especially Bridgeway. we got so, yeah, a, so many so many children, so many children here
0: <laughs> uh anyway and so um oh one thing to talk about real quick is i think one thing that does make sense of the placement of this vow is is if you, if you just finished reading these curses, right, and it was like, you know, don't mess up or you're going to be cursed. I'm going to send you away. You could imagine people hearing that and being like, no, God, we won't. I'll sell, like, I make a vow. I vow that we will never right. fall away from you. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't make rash vows. Right. It's very expensive. Like, Peter says that. And like, P- yeah. Lord, I, I, I will never, never leave you. I'll never and leave then you. And then
1: what does Jesus say? Don't make that promise hastily.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, um, I think I think that's probably one of the reasons why it's here is like you could easily see after reading the curses, all these people come and make a make a religious show of their piety and commitment by making all these vows, and they're just going to waste all this money, <laughs> you know. Right. And so, um, so you have the people selling themselves, making a vow of themselves, um, and then you have um, animal vows. So if you're like God, if you do this thing for me, I'll give you a spotless lamb. Right um and the only thing we're told here is um don't go back on your vow. So if you right. say spotless lamb at night and you're like god i've got the worst case of allergies and i'm sneezing all right. night if you make these go away i in the morning i'll get up and i will i did will sacrifice sh- my my prized spotless lamb. Right. Your your allergies go away, you wake up the next morning you're like oh that was i really did that in the heat of the moment. I shouldn't have done I shouldn't that. Have, I'll do a goat. Right. I'll just give him my crappy goat. Right. And um and what it, what it says here is that If you try to do that, it's actually you need to go and sacrifice the lamb and the goat now. Which is Both are forfeited.
1: Because it assumes the Lord's privy to your internal monologue. Yes. And he's saying, like, if you are going to make a vow and then decide that you made it rashly and would rather trade the vow, Yep. the fact that you've made that mental calculation in your head means you have to give me both. Yep. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. Uh, and then, um, uh, people, So I think the more yep, I listen ahead. to all this, the more it makes sense. Like the Lord is discouraging vow making. Right. And I think that makes sense from the rest of Leviticus. Like God is not capricious. No. He's told you precisely the terms on which he'll bless you. Yeah. And you don't need to act with him, like you would mm. with all the other gods. That's really
0: yeah. We also not only did we just finish the curse section, we also finished the blessing section. It wasn't if you give me enough animals or if you right. if you sway my opinions toward you. None right. of that. It's just obey me, love
1: me, grow right. with me. And that was true of the other gods. Mm-hmm. You would always have to give more and more, more and more and more and more in order to hopefully make the gods like you enough. Mm-hmm. Which, which this should cut
0: across what we think of when we think about sacrifice in the Old Testament. A lot of people think that God is like bloodlusty and you know needs all this sacrifice. We know by multiple ver- uh, other verses in the Old Testament that he doesn't. You know He abhors the bloodthirsty, uh, Psalm 5 talks about. Right. Isaiah 1 talks about how he's sick of sacrifice. So like, anyway, we know right. that's not our God. Yeah. But it cuts across here because it's like, um, look, my relation to you is not based on how much sacrifice you make to me. Right. Like, I'm not... I don't need to be satiated like the other gods yeah. that you're used to serving. Like, I'm just... I've made a vow to you. I've made right. a covenant to you. Let's 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 live on those terms. I don't have to be persuaded. Right. Yeah. It's really interesting.
1: Yeah. And then the final one is land. Land, yeah. So. Or
0: property. Or a house, too. Like, right. if you've got, like, a townhouse... Or something like that. <laughs> my lake house. My lake house. I get my lake house to the tabernacle <laughs> in the middle of the desert. We, you know, I think as like people in ministry, I could I could go for some of that. If someone out there has wants, a lake
1: house, <laughs> wants to donate their lake house, we to, will take uh, it into to a nonprofit
0: spoken gospel. That's right. <laughs> we will use it for it's tax deductible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we will use it for so many good things.
0: <laughs> and so anyway, um, they can they can make um, they can make the, the value of the house basically a donation. So it's like I want to God, like God, if you do this for me, I will give you my house. Okay, what's your house worth? Donate that to the Tabernacle. What's your land worth? Donate that to the Tabernacle. So, kind of the same thing. Um what what are we supposed to do when we read this with a gospel-centered view? Well, I think text? we
1: I think we did part of it already. It's like the reason the penalty for vow breaking is so high and even the parameters for making a vow at all is so steep is to make you realize you don't need to do this. Mm-hmm. Like my presence, there's a way to enter into my presence. Right. There's a way to enter in my blessing that you don't have to guess. Right. You don't have to make extra promises. You don't have to promise to say, excuse me, after every time you burp and fart. Like you can trust that the laws I've given are enough for your flourishing and your good, like and for your good. Yeah. There is, however, nothing wrong with wanting to give me more than I commanded. Right. Right. Yeah. So if that's true and that's really your heart. Here's some ways to think about it. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you're not going to go back and forth on it. Right. Don't make it rashly, because yep. if you go back and forth on it, you're gonna like you should you're betraying your heart. You're betraying your heart yeah. in that situation, and so you should sacrifice appropriately mm-hmm. by giving me both the things. You should weigh your life appropriately. Right. You are a valuable person, mm-hmm. and if you want to give up your entire life, you should count the cost of right. that. And even your property as well. That's the most valuable piece of land that you, like the thing that you probably own in yep. your life. So make sure that you know that you're not getting it back. <laughs> like, you know, like all these <laughs> right. things, like if you do want to do this, that's good in a sense of like showing gratitude. Yep. But not in the expensive. sense yep. of earning your place in my presence. Right. Those so two th- things are not linked. Right. Right. So I think that's helpful too. Like mm-hmm. there's a way that we can do like think we're doing things to give gratitude to God mm. but are really doing things rashly just to like calm an anxious heart or right. calm like an anxiety we have about the Lord's provision. Mm-hmm. So like Jesus talks about like don't worry about eating and drinking or right. putting on clothes. The Lord does all this. He's going to give it to you. And we actually have promises, pray the Lord will give you your daily bread, right. right? So you don't need to make these crazy vows. Yes. The purpose of vows isn't providing salvation, providing comfort, but it's Gratitude. Yeah.
0: Like, gratitude. Yes. And I think also what the New Testament picks up on, which I think we talked about this off the air a little bit, was that um, we have this idea of like, don't swear by... Like the tabernacle or, or the temple, right. don't swear by God's God's. Don't swear by God. Don't swear by the tabernacle. Don't swear by the golden tabernacle. Right. All these things. Let your yes and your no be Yeah, and it's like why? And then in Hebrew, it's Hebrews what? Hebrews four or five that talks about going boldly before the throne.
1: Right. Yes, he yes, yeah. got four, 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 sixteen.
0: Yeah, and it's like, do you have that? Yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah, says, it.
1: Uh, "Let us then with confidence draw near." To the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need yeah
0: and so it's like why can we draw near to god and ask for help in our time of need in right. these desperate situations where we are our wife is sick or our wombs are barren or we have an allergy attack in the middle of the night in our time of need where you might find yourself wanting to make a rash vow like why can you just come straight to the throne of grace and just ask for help and grace in time of need why because jesus has already paid the vow
1: offering he's been the perfect mm-hmm. vow he yeah. offered himself right like there's no he's other... obeyed all the other commands of that's Le- right like we get eden when the commands of leviticus are obeyed right jesus obeyed the commands of leviticus eden is possible now your kingdom come, come. yeah so you don't need to pr- you don't need to offer your finest plot of land right or even your life right you can say lord Hallowed be your name. Mm-hmm. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the Lord will provide every right. need you have
0: because He's paid every possible price, obeyed every possible law. He's done it, and yeah. so he, Eden can come.
1: Right? Yeah. The it's,
0: blessings of Leviticus twenty-six can come upon us without the need for the vows of Leviticus twenty-seven.
1: Right. And there's like there's some tension there because we don't always get the things that we ask for. That's right. But and I think sometimes the prosperity gospel movement wants to short circuit this. Mm-hmm. And they take these vows, mm. this this vow-taking thing, yep. and like embed it in the normal practice of prayer and asking the Lord. Right. If I had enough faith, or if I said it with enough certainty, mm-hmm. then the Lord is obligated to respond in a certain way. Right. But I think that's breaking the intention of parts of the Book of Leviticus. The reason we can be confident that the Lord hears our prayer and gives us what our need is not because. We've made such a great effort to have perfect faith mm-hmm. or sacrifice so greatly in order to pray for the last four hours. Right. Or been able to pray ourselves into a tongue frenzy. You right. know, like mm-hmm. it's because Jesus has obeyed the law and because of his perfect righteousness, Eden is coming mm. now in part and perfectly in the future.
0: Yeah. Well, that closes Leviticus. There it is
1: congratulations you guys (laughs) you You made it (laughs) you've made it
0: to the end thank you guys for listening um it's so cool to take a peek at the like the activity on the podcast on uh, like where we upload it and just see like there is a huge group of you that listen to every episode
1: we're really it's really humbling
0: it's really humbling um like there it's it's a group bigger than our church right (laughs) listening to our podcast every week and um that blows our mind that you would allow us to try to pastor you and teach and be there for you and open the Bible together. It's just really cool. We love doing this, guys. And so just thank you for listening. Yeah, we thank you.
1: Thank you. And we also believe in what we're doing, that more people need to see Jesus on every page of scripture. Yeah. And so I know that you guys know that there are other people like that exist. Mm-hmm. So if you've been be- be- benefited from this podcast, please like share it with your friends.
0: Yeah, talk about it, post about it.
1: Write it, like write us a review on iTunes. Yep. Please give us a couple stars, maybe more maybe, than two. Maybe two, maybe five. Maybe five. <laughs> maybe just five. Just actually. five. You can, you can do four with a critical with a cavity, comment. With a critical yeah, with, comment. But you have to yeah. leave a comment. That's right. Explaining why it's not a five, <laughs> not just an unexplained four, which is the worst. We yeah. would love for you to help us yeah. see let more people see Jesus and all scripture.
0: Yeah. Well thank you guys. Um, we're excited. We're gonna we might do a little excursus. We might hop back into a psalm before jumping we into thought about Psalm one nineteen. Yeah, maybe we'll do a psalm. So uh, and then we'll do numbers after that and go through the rest of the Torah. So man, thank you guys so much. It's been a blast doing Leviticus with you guys. We'll see you in numbers. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to creating free gospel-centered media that speaks the gospel out of every corner of scripture. So to join us in our mission and view our resources, we invite you to visit SpokenGospel.com.